In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution is taking Georgia political coverage to the next level. Now Georgia's smartest political team is adding Hall of Fame political broadcaster Bill Nygut. I am beyond thrilled to be joining the remarkable political team at the AJC. And with the year that we have unfolding in politics, it's going to be an exciting ride. Read Bill Nygut's expert insight on AJC.com and listen to the Politically Georgia podcast with me, Greg Bluestein, And me, Patricia Murphy. And me, Tia Mitchell. Hear new episodes every weekday. Only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Hey, everybody. It's Doug Robertson from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution with another edition of your favorite Southern Fried Soccer podcast. It is April 30th, and Atlanta United fell to Montreal 2-1 to on Saturday at Stade Saputo in Canada. It was a familiar story, one that some of you, based upon your posts on social media, are getting tired of seeing. Atlanta United statistically dominated the game, but the opponent created the better chances, and walked off with a 2-1 win. As always, you can find me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC, on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now, and I hope you'll consider subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. You've gotten a lot of good questions in for the mailbag, um, and we're going to hear from Gonzalo Pineda and Andrew Gutman here in a minute, but let's go through some of the stats really quickly to illustrate why the team is clearly frustrated why it is winless in its past four, why it has scored just two goals in its past four, and why it continues to give up goals on set pieces. Atlanta United dominated possession 62-38, to but lost the expected goals battle 1.87 to 0.69. With its 38% of possession, Montreal took 15 shots to Atlanta United's 12. They both put five shots on target. The difference, to me, Montreal took 12 shots from inside the penalty box. Atlanta United only took six and can only put two of those on goal. It's hard to score from outside the box. It's just, it's statistically very difficult. And Atlanta United cannot figure out how to break down opponents. Montreal was helped because it scored in the third minute on a set piece. And so it could then put as many players as it wanted to behind the ball and in the penalty box. And it did. And Atlanta United cannot figure out how to break it down. Um, there are typically two ways to do so. One is you get to the inline and put in crosses, or you put in early crosses before the defense gets set. And the other way is passing and moving. And I'm sorry, there is a third way, a moment of individual brilliance, and that's how Atlanta United got its goal, which has kind of been the case for the past two and a half seasons now. This time it was Marcelino Moreno. Um, a really nice pass from Diego Almada, who hit kind of an early cross. Moreno chested it down, put his foot on the ball, kind of drug it to create some space hit a shot off the inside of the left post that bounced over into the right corner. But the problem for Atlanta United is it ha- if it doesn't have those moments, it does not score. It does not create chances. And Moreno, who some of you love and some of you don't, 
was wasteful in the first half, as was Arahujo in his first start back from injury, as was uh, not to, not Tiago to, Almada had a great game, but as was Brooks Lennon in the first half. The team is just it's struggling. Um, I don't know if it's confidence or what, but those are the issues. So as he was walking off the field and being interviewed by the uh, club's TV partner, Gonzalo Pineda looked frustrated. He sounded frustrated. So I asked him if he was frustrated. I think there is some sort of frustration, obviously, because of the result, but also because I don't think uh, the performance of the team uh, was one that deserved to, to lose the game. I think uh, we certainly dominate the game. We certainly were in control of the game, uh, but we couldn't finalize a good uh, result uh, due to the lack of final product in both boxes. I think that we need to do better in the very limited times that the position is inside our box. We need to do much better. And the many times we are around the box, we need to create a lot more. So I think that uh, that's going to be the emphasis on this week before preparing Chicago. But obviously disappointed for uh, giving away uh, a game that, again, uh, I think that we should have won. I like Pineda. I like his honesty. I like how he treats the players. But I think we need a new definition uh, for dominated because when teams are doing more with the ball with less, to me, that is a better sign than what is going on with Atlanta United. Not just under Pineda. This happened under Heinze. It happened under Frank DeBoer. Um it spends it's spending money on players, but it doesn't really have a difference maker right now. Tiago Almada, I think, can be it. Um, I think Luis Arujo can be it. I think he was pressing a little bit today. And you're seeing some of the stuff that was a problem with Ezekiel Barco when he was with Atlanta United. The decision making in the final third, it's like if you have three choices, one really good, one good, one bad, it seems like the team, the players are always making the one that's bad. Time after time. Instead of trying to keep things simple. They're trying to make the highlight pass or the the difficult pass. It was the same with Pitti Martinez when, when he was on the team. Miguel Almiron was so good because he kept things simple. And that's what the team is missing a lot of right now. Now, going to the set pieces, um, Montreal scored in the third minute. Kamal Miller, easy header. Uh, he beat Franco Ibarra to, to the spot. The team has had trouble defending set pieces going back into the preseason. Uh, you remember the, the scrimmages against Chivas. I think they scored four goals or something off set pieces in the two scrimmages. Um, here's Pineda talking about that. I think set pieces is, is a topic. It's about concentration. It's about uh, working as a team in a very specific play. Uh, but also we have to face that, uh, you know, uh, many teams in MLS have more tall guys than us. And we want to play in a very specific way and not rely a lot in set pieces, but there are teams that certainly have probably a, a, a better hide on players attacking set pieces, and that is always difficult to defend. Uh, I think the way we try to defend is not conceding a, a lot of set pieces and having the ball a lot in, in the opposite uh, half, but uh, the few that we are allowing every game become at times dangerous, like in this case, and, uh, and again, I think we need to review 
check why we concede that game. At times, also, we need to give credit to the position. They, their delivery was very good. And uh, at times, it's hard to defend those type of balls. So, uh, again, I don't rely a lot on, on that, but I think we still can improve on that side. The issue I had with Atlanta United's defending set pieces today is the other team is trying to win. That is 100% right. But there was another moment in the first half in which three times Montreal was the first to get to the ball. First was on the delivery of the corner kick. Second was on two loose balls. That has nothing to do with height. Nothing to do with height. Um, That has to do with desire. And Andrew Gutman talked a little bit about that. I think it's just a a lack of bite, a lack of mentality that, you know, I'm going to win this ball over you. You know, I'm going to fight, push, battle, all this stuff to win the header and, and clear the lines. Um, and I think that's what's hurting us at the moment is we don't have enough, you know, attitude where, you know, I'm going to get to the ball before you and you're, gonna, you're not going to have a chance. Bobby Shuttleworth uh, making a start uh, in place of the injured Brad Guzan, who's out for the season. He had the bird's eye view of the two goals. I asked him what he saw. Yeah, I mean, the first goal is, you know, we set our line and it's a good ball whipped into the top of the area. And, Set pieces are clearly something that we need to work on. And, you know, we work on it in training. We go over it and something we need to continue to, to work on and hammer out the problems and, and move in a positive direction with that for sure. I think it's something something we definitely need to continue to look at and find solutions on the field because, you know, we train it. So we got to do better in those areas. Um, the second goal, I, I, I couldn't really comment on <clears throat> what happened too much. I'd have to watch it back. I've not watched it back yet. So um, I'll have to watch the video again and see. On the second goal, Kamal Miller, a center back, beat two Atlanta United defenders with a dribble and put in a cross to an unmarked player uh, who headed it in the opposite corner. Um, that was it. It's these little moments that are just hurting Atlanta United very, very badly. And this need to focus for 90 minutes thing is not a problem just this season. It has been a problem for the past couple of years. It is why Atlanta United keeps dropping points uh, from tying or winning positions going back to last season. It's a problem. Uh, We asked Andrew, or I'm sorry, Andrew Gutman was asked if the team is losing confidence. No, I mean, it's so early in the season, right? It's only, only nine games in, Um, you know, if anything, now we have to come together more as a group. We have to become more of a family um, and we just have to fight for each other in those in those moments that teams are looking for basically in the game. You know, when we play a lot of teams, I mean, especially in this game, Montreal had nothing in the attack. They're almost just trying to play for for set pieces, and and that was going to be their attack because we we control most of the game. Um, you know, I think it's just we got to go back to to what the badge actually means. You know, we're not a team that just is okay being in. And MLS maybe making the playoffs, you know, just just playing our games. Now this is Atlanta United. We, we want to play for trophies. We want to win trophies. Um, and you know, I think that's just the the little edge that we're missing. That we just have to to motivate ourselves. Whether that's you know pushing each other and training a little bit harder on the field, covering for each other if someone makes a mistake. You know, things are going to happen in the games over the course of ninety minutes. And you know, you just have to have. Your, your teammate behind you, if you mess up, that they're going to cover for you. And I think once that happens, we're going to start turning and we're going to get on a roll. And, you know, I don't think – I think this will be a completely different conversation at the end of every game. We'll see. 
Um, we'll see. That's that's the best I can say at this point. Um, you know, I've, I've covered this team a long, long time, and I've seen this script over and over again the past few years. Um, I don't know why they can't break down an opponent. I know it's difficult to break down an opponent in the final 20. And to Gutman's point about Montreal didn't even try on offense, well, once you get a goal in the third minute, you don't really have to, especially when you're at home. You can just try to see it out. And that's what Montreal did. And Atlanta United couldn't beat them. And then when Atlanta United tied the game, switch gets flipped. Montreal again starts to take control, gets that goal, and that's all she wrote. It's just this. It's a problem for this team for a long, long time. Um, we're going to toss to a break and come back with some very frustrated sounding questions from some Atlanta United supporters. This is Southern Fried Soccer from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I'm Ernie Suggs. And I'm Ned Ravone. Atlanta has been known as the Black Mecca for so many years, but that means something different to everybody. It means everything to me. Every day I wake up, I learn something new. Well, you all can learn something new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that Black people might want to know about. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash unapologetically ATL. And we're back. And I want to remind you that the Atlanta Journal-Constitution has a special offer for Atlanta United supporters and listeners to this podcast. If you subscribe today, you will not only get unlimited digital access to the AJC, and the Sunday paper for $2.30 a week. But we are also throwing in a special limited edition, Atlanta United and Atlanta Journal-Constitution Scarf. So sign up now at subscribe.ajc.com slash utdscarf. That's subscribe.ajc.com slash utdscarf. And let's get into the mailbag. We're going to start uh, in reverse order. Those who came in last will get to be heard first. Ben in Philly, friend of the podcast, says... Much like FDB, Frank DeBoer, Pineda's tactics are just not working with the current group. Lennon's and most of the team's crosses and corners are predictable and not good. Do you think Pineda realizes this and would switch up the tactics to a more counter-attacking team? If not, I can't see him finishing the season because the team is dangerously close to Heinz's point-per-game production. I do not see Pineda switching the tactics. I do think that at some point, the probabilities are going to turn and Atlanta United is going to start scoring, but they also have to stop opponents from scoring on set pieces. And it just keeps happening over and over again. I think that Kevin Egan pointed out that this is the ninth game and the ninth different lineup that Atlanta United has been forced to use. And I harp on this every podcast, but as soon as they can get some consistency in the starting lineup, consistency builds chemistry, chemistry builds confidence, confidence produces results. So let's see what they roll out against Chicago next Saturday. And here's Adam, friend of the podcast, starts off with heavy sigh. Should Atlanta have attacked in the second half in a manner to try and draw second yellows from Montreal players? It seemed the physical styles on display today might have easily prompted an overreaction from someone like Victor Wanyama if they were under consistent pressure. I don't really know how you do that, Adam, how you try to draw a second yellow other than just going at a specific player with a dribble. And we all know that Atlanta United has plenty of players that will do that. But we also know Victor Wanyama is a seasoned, seasoned veteran. He's not going to go for that. His second question, for Montreal's match winner, 
How did so many of their players end up around the goal box with so few stripes players in the picture? Atlanta had been under pressure for the preceding minutes and didn't really have an excuse to abandon their defensive responsibilities. That may not have stopped the goal, which was excellent play by Miller and Torres, but it suggested a lack of situational awareness by Atlanta. Nope, uh, you're 100% right. It looked like Atlanta United players started to move up the field or somebody forgot who was supposed to be marking somebody and, and you don't let a center back dribble past two of your defenders. And they did. And they scored. And there you go. Chris says, United scoring problems continued at Montreal. In Joseph's absence, it feels like the team has basically been playing without a striker. No one has stepped up in that position to make an impact. A couple of weeks or so ago, there were reports that United were going after a transfer for Matthew Hoppy. Do you know if those reports are accurate? And if so, is a transfer likely to happen? There's been no update on the pursuit of Matthew Hoppy. If I were him, I don't think I would want to come here uh, because I think Ronaldo Cisneros has played well. Today was not on him. If he's not getting the ball and he wasn't getting the ball, then what's he supposed to do? It could be Zlatan Ibrahimovic down there. But if he's not getting the ball, it doesn't matter. Um, There were times that he could have gotten the ball. And when he did, he did something nice with it. In his 90 minutes, he only had 25 touches. That's typically less than Joseph Martinez would get. He had had a couple of really nice moments. But if he's not getting the the ball in a good spot, and, and as an example, in the second half, there was a turnover. Marcelino Moreno had a chance to play in Cisneros early. But instead, he dribbled a couple of times. And by the time he decided to play in Cisneros, the defender had caught up to Cisneros, cut down his angle, and he, he had no shot. He took it anyway, but he had no shot. Now, if I were Hoppe, why would I come here to Atlanta United knowing that you've got Cisneros, you've got Dwyer, you've got Joseph Martinez, who may be coming back in a few weeks, and you're going to go right back to the bench. You're not going to play on the left wing because of Moreno or Almada. You're not going to play on the right wing because of Arahujo. Why uproot your whole life to come with no guarantee that you're actually going to play? All right. Noah Young says, this is very long and you probably won't have time to address it all. I will always address all your questions, Noah, because you are awesome. I can't wait to hear Panetta's excuse for yet another loss. It is hilarious how he went from one of the most feared teams in the league to a complete laughingstock and embarrassment to everyone. Win, lose, or draw, this team is so inconsistent and it's a complete disappointment. With that being said, I have three major concerns and I want to see if you can address. Do we actually practice corner kicks? I'm not sure how these players are taking these corners for us and rocking them to the literal opposite flag. I've seen high schoolers take better corners than this and I've yet to see a competitive corner kick by this team. Now, so just so you'll know, we typically get to watch most of training until they start working on set pieces and then we have to, we're excused to go down to the little media uh, trailer. I call the Alex Timbakis Memorial Trailer. So I know they work on them. What they work on, I don't know. But whatever it is, it doesn't seem to be working. Have you, in your experience, interviewing these coaches and players, ever once felt like we have someone with that killer instinct? Part of me feels like these guys don't respect Pineda due to their complete embarrassment of an attack. 70% possession is cool and all, but when he can't score, then who is to blame? No, I think they do respect Pineda. I think what the team has been missing for a long, long time is someone who is going to get in his teammates' faces and tell them, we have got to do better. We've got to. I think Jeff Lorenz would do that. Michael Parkhurst would do that. Joseph Martinez may do that. 
but they, they just, there's not a player in that locker room right now. Brad Guzan would do that. That is going to hold, I think his teammate accountable. And that is a problem. And then lastly, I have attached, this is from Noah, this scary looking table that shows how much we are paying these guys. I think that too often we are obsessed as a franchise on getting the best players available and paying them insane amounts of cash, but they are currently playing like complete busts. Do you think maybe these signings are starting to not come to fruition? Only one that is remotely interesting to watch anymore is Almeida. And he points out the total market value of Atlanta United's players are 81.5, according to the transfer market. Next is LAFC at 56.73. Um, I think that Arahujo is going to come good. I think that Almeida is going to come good. Moreno, again, you'll get that moment of individual brilliance once every three games, and then you'll get just a whole bunch of turnovers and poor decisions the other games. And I know that y'all think I'm down on Moreno. I think he's a good player. But he could be so much better if he'll just improve his decision-making. It's really that simple. Michael says, there were times in the first half where Moreno, Almeida, and Arahujo were all on the left side of the field. It looked too crowded with the players on top of each other. Do you think that is intentional overload or just poor spacing? I think it's probably just poor spacing. Um, but it is a problem. If you looked at the uh, possession map or first touch map I tweeted out at Doug Roberts on AJC, you could see how narrow Atlanta United actually ended up being today. And that's a problem, particularly when you're not passing and moving. When you're passing and moving, it's fine. But when you're not, it's not going to happen. Christian says, thank you for continuing to set the bar for MLS team coverage. We are really lucky in the Atlanta market to have such great coverage. Well, thanks. There are a lot more people who are a lot better than I am. Uh, Do you know when Joseph will return and how his recovery is going? We asked Pineda or asked Pineda about this last week. He said weeks away. He's just now being able to start to do some stuff. I think it's April 30th. I think it won't be till July till you see him. And that's just a guess. We don't know what Machop Chol's injury is, but it must have been serious. Is he close to returning? No. We see him walking around by himself. Uh, he trains either before or after the team, but he has yet to return to the team training. And then the last question was the first. And it's an interesting idea from Rob, friend of the podcast. How, how to best use Marcelino Moreno. I don't have the stats to back this up, he says, but using the eyeball test, it seems that all of Moreno's wow moments this year have come from amazing through balls or over-the-top diagonal balls from deep defensive positions that sprung open a counterattack. With Alonzo out for the year, is it worth trying Moreno at D-mid and letting him open up our attack from the back? You know, this is something I thought about with Barco too, but defensively, neither one of them is good enough to, to play that position, and so it would end up, I think, being a weakness than a strength. On a related note, with a few years post-Tata to reflect, I don't know that the Atlanta identity we all know and love was ever really an attacking identity so much as a counter-attacking identity. I would agree with that. Those Tata-led Atlanta teams hit people on the counter more effectively than any MLS team I can recall in my 11 years following the league. It seems to me that when Tata left, we started trying to take things to the next level by controlling the attack, but now we're the ones getting hit on the counter. And as you pointed out, our transition defense has not exactly been the sharpest. Any thoughts on our identity as a counter-attacking team versus an attacking team? I think you're 100% right about Tata. And a difference is you had two of the fastest guys in in Major League Soccer on that team, in Almiron and Viava. You had Joseph Martinez, very, very quick. You had Julian Gressel, who was able to put that ball into spaces for those players' quickness to be taken advantage of. You had Greg Garza, who was, had an ability to attack in that way also. Now, Arahujo is fast, but Almeida is quick but not fast. Moreno is slow, 
Barco was quick but not fast. Pity was slow. If you're going to counterattack, you've got to have speed. And Atlanta does not have a lot of speed. So they're trying to do this possession stuff, but they can't figure out how to break down bunker defenses. And part of that is because there is a there's not enough passing and moving. And until that gets fixed, this is going to be the script. All right, this is Doug Robertson of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Montreal, 2-1 to one winners against Atlanta United. You can find me on Twitter at Doug Robertson EJC and on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now. Hug your loved ones, everyone. Please, it's important. Communicate. Don't hold back. Y'all take care.